0: I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Section 1 of The Windigo by Algernon Blackwood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. The Wendigo by Algernon Blackwood. Part one. A considerable number of hunting parties were out that year, without finding so much as a fresh trail. For the moose were uncommonly shy, and the various nimrods returned to the bosoms of their respective families with the best excuses the facts of their imaginations could suggest. Dr. Cathcart, among others, came back without a trophy. But he brought instead the memory of an experience which he declares was worth all the bull moose that had ever been shot. But then Cathcart, of Aberdeen, was interested in other things besides moose, amongst them the vagaries of the human mind. This particular story, however, found no mention in his book on collective hallucination, for the simple reason, so he confided once to a fellow colleague, that he himself played too intimate a part in it to form a competent judgment of the affair as a whole. Besides himself and his guide, Hank Davis, there was young Simpson, his nephew, a divinity student destined for the Wee Kirk, then on his first visit to Canadian Backwoods, and the latter's guide, Defago. Joseph de Fago was a French Canuck who had strayed from his native province of Quebec years before, and had got caught in rat portage when the Canadian Pacific Railway was a building. A man who, in addition to his unparalleled knowledge of woodcraft and bush lore, could also sing the old voyageur songs and tell a capital hunting-yarn into the bargain. He was deeply susceptible, moreover to that singular spell which the wilderness lays upon certain lonely natures, and he loved the wild solitudes with a kind of romantic passion that amounted almost to an obsession. The life of the backwoods fascinated him, whence doubtless his surpassing efficiency in dealing with their mysteries. On this particular expedition he was Hank's choice. Hank knew him and swore by him. He also swore at him, just as a pal might. And since he had a vocabulary of picturesque, if not utterly meaningless, oaths, the conversation between the two stalwart and hardy woodsmen was often of a rather lively description. This river of expletives, however, Hank agreed to damn a little, out of respect for his old hunting boss, Dr. Cathcart, whom of course he addressed, after the fashion of the country, as Doc, and also because he understood that young Simpson was already a bit of a parson. He had, however, one objection to Defago, and one only, which was that the French-Canadian sometimes exhibited what Hank described as the output of a cursed and dismal mind, meaning apparently that he sometimes was true to type, Latin type, and suffered fits of a kind of silent moroseness when nothing could induce him to utter speech. Defago, that is to say, was imaginative and melancholy. AND AS A RULE IT WAS TOO LONG A SPELL OF CIVILIZATION THAT INDUCED THE ATTACKS. FOR A FEW DAYS OF THE WILDERNESS INVARIABLY CURED THEM. THIS THEN WAS THE PARTY OF FOUR THAT FOUND THEMSELVES IN CAMP THE LAST WEEK IN OCTOBER OF THAT SHY moose YEAR, WAY UP IN THE WILDERNESS NORTH OF RAT PORTAGE, A FORSAKEN AND DESOLATE COUNTRY. THERE WAS ALSO PUNK, AN INDIAN, WHO HAD ACCOMPANIED DR. CATHCART AND HANK ON THEIR HUNTING TRIPS IN PREVIOUS YEARS and who acted as a cook. His duty was merely to stay in camp, catch fish, and prepare venison steaks and coffee at a few minutes' notice. He dressed in the worn-out clothes bequeathed to him by former patrons, and except for his coarse black hair and dark skin, he looked in these city garments no more like a real redskin than a stage negro looks like a real African. For all that, however, punk had in him still the instincts of his dying race. His taciturn silence and his endurance survived, also his superstition. The party round the blazing fire that night were despondent, for a week had passed without a single sign of recent moose discovering itself. Defago had sung his song and plunged into a story, but Hank, in bad humor, reminded him so often that he kept mussin up the fax that it was most all nothing but a petered-out lie, that the Frenchman had finally subsided into a sulky silence which nothing seemed likely to break. Dr. Cathcart and his nephew were fairly done after an exhausting day. Punk was washing up the dishes, grunting to himself under the lean-to of branches, where he later also slept. No one troubled to stir the slowly dying fire. Overhead the stars were brilliant in a sky quite wintry, and there was so little wind that ice was already forming, stealthily, along the shores of the still lake behind them. The silence of the vast, listening forest stole forward and enveloped them. Hank broke in suddenly with his nasal voice. "'I'm in favor of breaking new ground tomorrow, Doc,' he observed with energy, looking across at his employer. "'We don't stand a dead dago's chance around here.' "'Agreed,' said Cathcart, always a man of few words. "'Think the idea's good.' "'Sure, Pop, it's good,' Hank resumed with confidence. "'S'pose now you and I strike west, up Garden Lakeway for a change. "'None of us hain't touched that quiet bit of land yet. "'I'm with you.' "'And you, Defago, take Simpson along in the small canoe, "'skip across the lake, portage over into fifty island water, "'and take a good squint down that thar southern shore,' The moose yarded there like hell last year, and for all we know, they may be doing it again this year, just to spite us. Defago, keeping his eyes on the fire, said nothing by way of reply. He was still offended, possibly, about his interrupted story. "'No one's been up that way this year, and I'll lay my bottom dollar on that,' Hank added with emphasis, as though he had a reason for knowing. He looked over at his partner sharply. "'Better take the little silk tent and stay away a couple of nights,' he concluded." "'as though the matter were definitely settled, "'for Hank was recognized as general organizer of the hunt "'and in charge of the party. "'It was obvious to anyone that Defago did not jump at the plan, "'but his silence seemed to convey something more "'than ordinary disapproval, "'and across his sensitive dark face "'there passed a curious expression, "'like a flash of firelight, "'not so quickly, however, "'that the three men had not time to catch it. "'He funked for some reason, I thought.' Simpson said afterwards in the tent he shared with his uncle. Dr. Cathcart made no immediate reply, although the look had interested him enough at the time for him to make a mental note of it. The expression had caused him a passing uneasiness he could not quite account for at the moment. But Hank, of course, had been the first to notice it, and the odd thing was that instead of becoming explosive or angry over the other's reluctance, he at once began to humor him a bit. "'But there ain't no special reason why no one's been up there this year,' he said with a perceptible hush in his tone. "'Not the reason you mean, anyway. Last year it was the fires that kept folks out, and this year, I guess—I guess it just happened so, that's all.' His manner was clearly meant to be encouraging. Joseph Tufago raised his eyes a moment, then dropped them again. A breath of wind stole out over the forest and stirred the embers into a passing blaze. Dr. Cathcart again noticed the expression in the guide's face, and again he did not like it. But this time the nature of the look betrayed itself. In those eyes, for an instant, he caught the gleam of a man scared in his very soul. It disquieted him more than he cared to admit. Bad Indians up that way? he asked with a laugh to ease matters a little, while Simpson, too sleepy to notice this subtle by-play, moved off to bed with a prodigious yawn. Or or anything wrong with the country," he added, when his nephew was out of hearing. Hank met his eye with something less than his usual frankness. "He's just scared," he replied, good-humouredly. "Scared stiff about some old fairy tale. That's all, ain't it, old pard?" And he gave Defago a friendly kick on the moccasined foot that lay nearest the fire. Defago looked up quickly, as from an interrupted reverie, a reverie, however, that had not prevented his seeing all that went on.